Hey besties, it's Tina, Karen, and Jules here. Tools down, time to chat work, life, well-being, and relationships. You're listening to Let's, Let's Take, Take It Offline. Off All right, welcome back to another episode of Let's Take It Offline podcast. Before we begin, just remember to rate and give us a comment or subscribe to our show. This week, we've got really special guests with us. They are currently running Australia's largest sneaker marketplace with the hottest sneakers and apparel. And they're really changing the game and like sneaker reseller culture in Australia and now LA. And Forbes 30 under 30 for retail and e-commerce in Asia for 2022. So please welcome co-founders Justin Trong and Sandy Lee from Pusha. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us today. I've been wanting to have you guys on our podcast for so long. So thank you so much for coming. Maybe a quick intro to both of you. Justin, you want to start? <laughs> you first. I no, no, you go. Come on. Yeah, a bit of an intro. So Sandy and I started Pushes. I guess we started Pushes back in 2017. We really were just reselling sneakers. Sandy tells the story better. That's why I'm like, yeah, let's just let Sandy do it because she's uh, she does it better. Yeah, so off what Karen said, we run Australia's largest marketplace where we sell all the hottest sneakers and apparel from Jordans, Off-White, Supreme, Essentials, Fear Mm. of God. But yeah, this started off just as a passion. So it started off with me buying shoes maybe once a week. And to be honest, that wasn't even bad. Like I know people who are buying three to four pairs a week. Yeah, when I met Justin, when we were in second year uni, he saw me going to uni every day with a fresh new pair of kicks. <laughs> and then he was just like, who the hell is this girl with all these shoes? And I'm like, they look fresh. Like I had hot pink Air Max 90s to match my like bucket hat. And oh, you know, I thought, I thought it was the freshest, the freshest on campus. And Justin was kind of just like, oh. Yeah, I'm just in like jeans and my Converse, right? Or like, yeah, some, something yeah, Basic. yeah, but I think it all started when I was younger and you want the freshest pair of kicks, but your mum won't buy it for you. But once you find your first job, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to buy my own sneakers now. So I started to buy sneakers. And then when I couldn't get a pair of shoes, I started to go on all the marketplaces available to get mm. the more rarer ones. And yeah, I think Justin saw the opportunity once I started working in Adidas. Mm-hmm. And that was probably around the start of when Kanye started to do his first collab with Adidas and Justin was like, hang on, wait a minute, people are lining up for days for a pair of sneakers worth probably about like about 200 and something then mm-hmm. and flipping them for over a thousand in some cases. Wow. wow. Yeah. Did and not know that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, and then I think it was during that time, yeah, we were just buying pairs and I think for me I was like, she has a bit of a problem and we need to somehow no, focus. A passion. Like, she has a passion. Yeah, she has a passion. Um, and I was like, okay, we need to figure out a way to, to fund this because it's obviously not coming out of my pocket because I wasn't making much. And I was yeah. just like, okay, let's do something. So we started just reselling our own kind of pairs and really just experimenting. But then I think it wasn't until around 2017. So I think at the end of 2016, I went on a trip to UC Berkeley with Karen. Yeah, that's how we met. <laughs> yeah, so she was like my mum on the trip. She was always like, oh, like, have you eaten? Like, I'll get you some food. Like, so we were doing a law course at UC Berkeley. Yeah. And then I think afterwards we went to 
to LA and th- there was a couple of different sneaker stores. And I was like, actually, like, I think that was when it was starting to get big in the US as well. And I was like, man, there's nothing like this in Australia, right? Mm. There was a couple of marketplaces that were doing really well there as well. And so I think we, I came back and I was like, I've always had this idea in the back of my head with Sandy, but I think we never really actioned it until, yeah, when I came back yeah. and I was like, actually, I think this there's something to do here and something that I could probably yeah. like quit yeah. law to do. JT pretty much like talked about it the entire like time we were at Berkeley and, and I have to say kudos to you as well Justin because I feel like a lot of boyfriends when they realize the girlfriends got like a problem with shopping they run really fast and really far away but you actually turned that into an opportunity for both of you and he's like yeah I'm not gonna fund this the business will fund her pattern oh, so you that's know what? great to set the record straight I did buy my own shoes yeah I know. so I didn't rely on him to buy shoes I actually bought him his first pair of sneakers that got him into sneakers as well. What were they? So there were the Ultra Boost 1.0s, the black mm. ones with the purple cage. So oh, nice. One of the first ever Ultra Boosts that really. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I was actually just looking awesome. at Ultra Boosts myself. I think you've answered the first question. I was going to ask who is actually the sneakerhead between you, but it sounds like it's very much you, Sandy, that started this. So And Justin is converted. He's yeah. now the converted, yeah. so we're yeah. talking to both the converted. But I guess... Right now, like, is there a favorite pair of sneakers that you would say today? So I think my favorite pair of sneakers in my current collection would be the Air John 4 Off-White Sales. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think they're one of the – I love collaborations and I love Off-White and Virgil Mm. Abloh. Like, I love a lot of his designs. And, yeah, so I decided to get married in them with Justin. (laughs) Yeah, she wore those um, to our wedding, so – yeah. Oh, that's an awesome. You don't need heels, sneakers. How many pairs do you have now in that collection? I've, I would say I've downsized a lot. I think when I first met Justin, uh, Justin will tell you actually what his reaction was when he first came <laughs> to my yes. mom's house. Yeah. So when I came to like her, her mom's house, you know, you know where Harry Potter lives, like underneath the staircase. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's always like a, a storage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The storage area, like that was filled with all her shoes. Oh, wow. So it was like a hundred and something pairs, I'd say, right? Like, yeah. But, I know people who have way more, so I wouldn't even say I'm bad in that sense. But, yeah, it was filled with, like, I think it was filled with different phases of sneakers I was in. It started with, like I said, Air Max 90s. Yeah. Then it went into the Jordans and then it went into Ultra Boost and then it went to Yeezys. And But I think I've downsized heaps just to, like, a smaller rotation. And if you were talking to someone who wants to kind of start getting into their sneaker game because My some tools? some may want to know where to begin asking for a friend are there any recommendations in terms of a affordability and b like which ones are the best ones and most comfort yeah i think there are a lot of different fashion and sneaker publications that will always tell you what's going to be the next release that's probably a good way to get ahead of what's coming out mm-hmm. but there are also a lot of facebook groups with similar passions. So there's female only groups. There are like bigger Australian groups where they kind of inform you of what's coming out too, what resale prices might be and just a community just to talk more about sneakers in general. I think for me, I look at like a lot of the Instagram pages or TikToks now. A lot of them have like, yeah, there's a lot of like, when we first started, there were probably none, but now there's a lot of like, yeah, various Instagram pages of what's coming out, what's hot, mm-hmm. um, TikTok pages and people just talking about sneakers that are coming out. But I think in terms of like a recommendation, man, like I, I think comfort wise, like I think Adidas does a lot more comfort sneakers. Um, <laughs> if, if, yeah, if it comes to that. But in terms of like, 
like fashion and what's hot. Yeah, I'd say like Jordan 1 lows. Like I think a lot of women are getting into Jordan mm-hmm. 1 lows. I think they start off getting into dunks and then they realize, oh, I don't want to be like everyone else. <laughs> and then they start jumping into to Jordan 1 lows. Yeah, but I just look at what Hayley Bieber's wearing on her Instagram. <laughs> I think, Jules, a good place to start is just push us Instagram. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Like, isn't New Balance a big like yes. trend right now as it well? Is. Like, yeah, I think um, New Balance are 550s for sure yeah. and all the other ones. That, but also Sambas, some Adidas yes. Sambas. Yeah. They're hot right so, now. Yeah, they're yeah. really popping yeah. as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, Justin, you mentioned that time in UC Berkeley. What I remember is probably very different to yeah. you. We were actually there during the year that Trump got elected yes. in America. So there were like oh, riots gosh. all over Berkeley, <laughs> which was like very progressive and left-wing. So we were there at an interesting time. But you mentioned that like as a source of inspiration. Like what exactly about that trip sparked that idea? Yeah, so I think... It was my first time in the US, a big thing, and just watching how people dress was really different. Like, you yeah. know, compared to on campus at UNSW, like the people that were in Berkeley were really stylish, right? Yeah. So that was kind of the first thing. But then the second thing is, I think, going to LA and just watching like the different stores and kind of what was hot and what was trending and what was being sold. Like, I think we're Australia's pretty behind on, on a lot of the fashion stuff and yeah. I think just True. kind of being immersed in that culture was really um it just made me think like why can't we do that yeah like, because I, I do think that Australians we're pretty like you know we want to be stylish right but it's just that we just don't know where to start a lot of people just don't know kind of like where to start what to wear all that stuff mm. and so for me I was like well I think if we were our platform yes we're a marketplace but if we can kind of be at the center point of even advising and educating people and curating different styles for people to wear. And I think we've somewhat achieved that. Like I think a lot of people that we see, it's funny because we'll see them on the street and there's like a sneaker that I know that like nowhere else in Australia would sell. And I know that like we pushed it on our socials or something. We start seeing it on the street. It's a a pretty cool cool. feeling um, to see that. And I think that was something that I, I don't really mention this a lot in public, but I think it was for us, it was like, really important to curate good styles and really recommend things and educate people in Australia so that we can kind of up our sneaker game. That was a big thing for me coming back anyway. Like creating a culture and community here Mm -hmm. locally. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome because Australia typically always follows the US based on seasonality, right? So I love that you guys are giving Australians the opportunity to actually have those sneakers or have those trends as and when it's ready as well and available. And as you start to see that those sneakers pop up, it's like, I love that. It's such a sense of achievement for you guys as well. So that's brilliant. Honestly, like I see, I feel like I was almost like, I saw the origins of this and to see where you guys have come. Like I just like, I message Justin sometimes to tell him that I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Mama Karen. Like a mom. (laughs) And I'm the baby of the group. (laughs) Um, But yeah, after that trip, when you came back, like how did you get started? Oh man, it's a bit of a blur. So I remember us in Justin's bedroom, we were like, okay, we need a logo. And then Justin put together on Photoshop and I'm like, no, that, that piece should be thicker. No, thicker. No, no, thin now. No, a bit wider. And that's how we got our logo. We're like, you know what? If we don't like it, we can change it later. Yeah. But I think five years later, it's still the same. Yeah. And yeah, Justin was kind of just obsessing about building the website. And we got that done and then just getting a bit of supply on the website and then building up an email chain. 
Yeah, so I think when we first started, uh, yeah, Sandy was saying before to you girls, but um, we rented out like a room like at a church in Surrey Hills. <laughs> it was like three fifty a week or something, right? It was like, yeah. and it was really small. It was um, a shoebox. Yeah, it was literally a shoebox, but that was all we could yeah, afford. Yeah, I think it was like probably four by four meters. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. yeah so it was really cool. tiny. Yeah. Did it have wind at least? Yeah, we yeah. did, luckily. <laughs> That's good. Luckily. But that was like the start and we started getting, well, we were reselling our own stock. So we moved some of our stock to there so that we wasn't in Sandy's mum's place anymore. And then from there, yeah, a lot of the people that we met in the community that was kind of reselling as well were like, hey, you know, we'll help you resell your stock because they were looking for help because a lot of them were similar to us where they're like, okay, we, I'm at uni or, or I have work, I don't have time to to be handling this, but I do want to flip these sneakers. So yeah. can I just give you my stock, you sell it for me, and then mm-hmm. I'll give you a cut. So mm-hmm. we started kind of doing that. Within like a year, that grew pretty pretty quickly. And again, Sandy and I were still doing this part-time. So yeah. like I was still finishing off, I had my last year yeah. to finish it off. And then, so we were still doing this part-time, Sandy was still working. And we, yeah, we did that. And then we moved to a biggest space in Ultimo. And then we started to, again, grow it. But again, back then, we were still doing it part-time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until about COVID times where e-commerce started to really blow up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because people were at home, they were shopping a lot. Yeah. And then we were like, okay, crap, Like this is just getting a bit crazy. And there was so much demand on our website that we started to really to build like a strong customer base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we're like, but we don't have any, we don't have any stock. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we <laughs> had like... problem to have. <laughs> yeah, like we had a couple of hundred pairs, right? But then like... Like, it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. Mm, yeah. And then I was just kind of tweeting out, just being like, oh, you know, like, and this was more for the community because a lot of like resellers were following me. I was following a lot of resellers mm-hmm. when I was telling them like, oh, okay, you know, I, I bought the Chicago Mid Jordans and I bought them for like, I think it was like 200, selling them for about 300. So my margin was like 30 something percent, right? Mm-hmm. And just kind of just tweeting out like progress. And it was just a fun thing because all the other resellers were doing the same thing. Yeah. And so we're kind of learning from each other, right? But then one of our earliest investors, Ray Nong, who found me on Twitter, mm-hmm. he kind of just messaged me and was like, these are really good returns. Can we do a Zoom call? <laughs> and then I was just like, okay, like, yeah, I knew he was kind of like an investor, but it was just odd like to yeah. just do a Zoom call. And then so I did a Zoom call. I'm like, okay, what do you have to lose? And then after like, hey, getting to know me and then just like asking me questions about the business. And then he's like, what's your bank details? I was like, <laughs> all right. Uh, I was like, is he like trying to scam me? Like, what's he doing? And then I just get, I was like, well, if I give him my BSB and my account number, it should be fine. Yeah. So I just sent it to him and then like a couple of hours later, 10 grand came into to the oh, bank oh, account. Oh, wow. And I was like, what do you want me to do with this? And he was like, just buy sneakers and then just sell them, see what happened, right? Amazing. Back then, 10 grand was like a lot, right? And so we were just like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll just, yeah, I'll just absorb yeah. that, figure it out. I did that for like a month or two and he was like, okay, this is really good, right? You're doing really well. And so... What ended up happening was uh, I tweeted again and I was like, okay, like I think I could probably scale this up. I was like, is anyone that wants to be a part of the world's first sneaker fund? Mm. And he kind of also like kind of pinged all his friends and was like really just to, to just to vouch for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then within like 24 hours, we got like a couple of hundred K committed. Wow. Wow. And then that was like kind of the first step change in our business mm. where we raised and I was like, okay, shit, we got to do this full time now. Yeah. Mm. And then we were like, well, we can't be handling investor money if we're just yeah, kind of part time. Because exactly. at that stage, I was still teaching at UNSW and mm. Sandy was still kind of working part time as well. Yeah. From there, we did that. That started to grow really well. We started to get a lot of stock in because now it was like 10x or more what we were yeah. originally doing, right? Mm. So that started to really 
grow our supply that got us more customers mm. and then a couple of months later i got into contact with justin khan the founder of twitch yes. and he was just like your main business which is the marketplace at that stage we haven't raised any money yet it was just a kind of the sneaker fund on the side but at that stage it was like well your main business is growing like 3x year on year that's like venture capital numbers yeah. right and so i was like I didn't know. Like, oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, is that like, yeah, because I, I guess I've, I've had contact with a lot of the VC space before, but never on a granular level to understand mm. like what's a venture backable business, yeah. like what the investors look for. Like you kind of know that they have their process and that was it. But then I think from there, I was like, okay, well, I'll try raise. And so I think I wanted, I told Rain, I was like, oh, I'll probably try raise like maybe like another two, 300K or something. But then Justin was like, hey, like if you raise, you know, I'm happy to back you. Yeah. And then I went to market and I think we were able to raise like 1.2. And and I was just like, okay, crap. I guess I was just like, I was just 10 cents. I was like, man, I didn't expect to, to raise this much, right? And then from there, that was another step change. And that was when, okay, now we got to be a serious business, yeah. right? So that was around, yeah, that was around August 2021. So about, yeah, about a year and a half. Wow. Now. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then from there, we started to get a bigger space. We're in um, Alexandria now. Mm. And yeah, it's a huge warehouse. It's like, Compared to Surrey Hills, I'd say it's probably 50x. Like, it's like way <laughs> okay, bigger. So did you hold stock in that Surrey Hills apartment as yes. well? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I think there was about maybe like 100 or so pairs in there. And now we're... Yeah, now it's over 50,000 pairs on the platform. Like, wow, that's it's amazing. insane. Yeah, so I think now we're continually growing. We're growing our team and just doing what we can yeah. to keep scaling the business. So. Yeah. It's so funny when you say, um, was Rain a scam? And <laughs> knowing how he operates in his YOLO fund. Yeah. It's like, it makes so much sense. <laughs> so, so much like Rain. But I think my question was around, I work with startup founders and, and CTOs every day. And I'm always curious about how they, you know, de- decide when it was the right time for them to raise capital. And mm-hmm. in your case, it's like a happy accident with rain and then eventually it became more of like um you know more opportunities came to you where do you want to take the business now and you know is there like a a next raise in already in mind or what is the focus yeah so i think um with the market being what it is now right Mm, with the macro market capital is pretty expensive so i think for us we're pretty fortunate because we're able to build our business in a way where because we bootstrapped from the start right Mm. we're able to be really capital efficient so our business, yeah, we're very capital efficient. We don't really need to raise more at this stage. But I think when the markets, now that I've learned more about VC and understand <laughs> the whole process, like when the market improves and when valuations start to improve again, I think we'll probably go back to the market and raise and keep scaling. But I think mm. now it's a good time. And this is advice to any startups out there. I think now is a good time to really focus on your processes, yeah. ensure yeah. that your unit economics makes yeah. sense ensure that your business at the core and at the foundation is robust Mm. and then the money can come and accelerate that right like i think the issue why we're kind of in a bear market now is that with all the easy money that came a couple of years ago a lot of the time people weren't building real businesses they didn't have like good fundamentals good economics and they were just kind of pouring money at the problem Mm. i guess looking back on our journey i think the fact that capital was kind of like an accident and kind of happened was actually a blessing in disguise because it meant that like we never relied on external yeah, capital. 100%. So we had to just build a decent business to pay the bills mm. without having to rely on that. So I think the capital that comes is always a good bonus to help accelerate yeah. and help you grow quicker. Yeah. But it's something that you shouldn't 
really rely on that's my so page. true because a lot of startups do rely on that and they don't mm. return a profit or break even yeah, yeah. even when time. they're doing like yeah. your billion in revenue right so. yeah and i think just in terms of like how the market's changed even in the last year or so i feel like a lot of startups now are focused on tightening operations and i think that's actually a really good wake-up call because mm-hmm. as you said like you shouldn't be pouring money into solving a problem you should already have a really good business fundamental I'm curious as well in terms of how you move from like a small business, as you say, like two people operation mm-hmm. into a VC backed business. What have you had to change? Sandy can answer this. Um, she's, <laughs> she's, she, she, look, I'm just a pretty basic. She does all the work. So, yeah. I think um, it was really challenging in the beginning because I think with Justin and I doing so many roles, the mm. roles were embedded in both of us, but we really had to figure out how could we process ties it. How would, could we mm-hmm. break things up as well into certain roles where it's needed in the business and to make everything kind of really seamless? Because between Justin and I, it's just what, one, two ways of communication. Once you put the third person in, it's like five kind of ways of communication yeah. and then you chuck the next person mm-hmm. in. So I think it was a lot of definitely a lot of learnings in the beginning, but I think it was just trialing and then looking at best practices and just and making mistakes. Making I think mistakes. A lot of it was making mistakes and learning from them. Um, yeah. Sometimes like, I always tell my team this, but like you can watch all the YouTube videos on how to swim. You can read a manual on how to swim. You can, <laughs> but until you jump in the water, you so don't really true. know yeah. how yeah. to do it. I think you just learn. It's just like move fast and break things, right? So mm. you learn as quickly as you can, but always kind of reflecting on how you can do things better always and then cutting back and moving things around when you need to as quickly mm. as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Just one more question just around like, I think your business is so interesting in the way that it's in the intersection of like fashion, culture, community. What's the vision for Pusher? Yeah, so I think for us, we want to build the infrastructure for resellers, right? So it's interesting because, yeah, I I see our business as like the intersection between like culture, fashion, but also tech in a Mm. way. So a lot of our time is building out a lot of seller tools, a lot of different infrastructure for resellers to actually resell sneakers more seamlessly. I think how we see it is that we want to build out effectively the Amazon for the secondary Mm. market. So Amazon's built out a great ecosystem for primary brands, right? Like if you create your own thing and you're selling it, like most people would be selling on Amazon, right? Mm. Or whether you're drop shipping products and rebranding them, et cetera. But I think for us, we see ourselves as doing that but for the secondary market so for stuff that whether they appreciate on the secondary market or stuff that are, are traded after they're sold from retailers so that's our vision yeah. effectively yeah have you guys ever thought about maybe auctioning doing auctions as well i think with auctions you need certain licenses yeah in yeah. place to actually run auctions yeah so. i think it's and for us like being a startup it's so important to just focus, focus. on your call yeah. because there's and this is the thing that i tell a team a lot too man my, i lecture my team so much that they're just like yeah. oh justin's yeah. going on his rant again but like one of the things that's really important is that at any one time in your business there's probably like five equally valid ideas that are probably going to make you money to do but yeah i think with the limited resources that you have you always have to pick one yeah right and so sometimes when you're kind of prioritizing within your team it's not simply just oh like this is why your reasons are wrong most of the time every other person's like idea is probably just as valid mm. or just as lucrative or the opportunity is there. But the problem is, okay, well, we only have one bullet in the chamber. Like where should we like prioritize this? And that's usually a harder conversation to have than when things are 
like obviously like a bad idea. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it hard, right? And I think mm. for us, like we instill a, a culture in our team to to just focus. Sure, all these shiny ideas are, are great, and you could probably make money from them, and you could probably spend six months doing it, and it'll, it'll be successful for the company. But what's the one that's going to yield you the best return? Mm. I think that's the big focus. For yeah, seeing it based on like impact versus feasibility. It doesn't exactly. sit on that scale. Yeah. yeah. That's the hard thing because most of the time, the impact and feasibility probably it's like decimals different. Yeah. Right? Like they're, they're all great ideas. Yeah. And if you have a good team, generally, they're all going to be great ideas, right? You're not going to get someone who's like, oh, let's just do, let's just do something random. Like, <laughs> generally, it's good. But I think the issue becomes like, okay, how do you differentiate from one's a 9.5, one's a 9.4? Yeah. Because there's so much uncertainty in business where you don't even, like, you can't really know until you do it. Mm. Yep. How do you pick between those two? Yeah, and it's good to hear about your challenges too, because yeah. as a, I love hearing the story about you building out your logo and the <laughs> office out in Surrey Hills. And it's giving me an inspirational thought where I'm like, oh, that's my next <laughs> side hustle, anyhow. <laughs> but I'd love to hear in terms of, you guys expanding and competing against other marketplaces as well. Mm -hmm. What is the thought process around that? Because I know that you guys are now expanding into the US. I'm curious from a business mind, what that's looking like for the future of pushes. Yeah. So I think for me, and I think you've kind of probably saw this like in, in how I turned Sandy's problem into a solution. (laughs) I don't really like to look at other people as like competitors Mm -hmm. in a sense that like we've, actually started two really good partnerships like one with ebay and one with amazon so instead of seeing these marketplaces as competitors especially i remember when ebay started doing what we were doing in a different way but they were like oh you know we're going to start selling authenticated sneakers as well we're like oh crap does that mean that our business is like we're done like we've got to compete with multi-billion dollar company right but then i think what we learned is that you know instead of just seeing people as competitors what you can do is you can be like, okay, well, where's our unique value proposition and mm-hmm. how do we actually partner with our quote-unquote competitors and how do we make this a win-win situation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for us, we're like actually like with us where we have our platform is where we have a closer relationship with resellers. We're more focused on reselling than the other platforms that are more generalist. So we'll mm-hmm. come in and we'll actually partner with these platforms to help accelerate them but also accelerate us. Yeah. So what we've found is that even expanding to the U.S., what you do is if you partner with the market kind of incumbents there and you help them, most of the time they're happy to they're happy to partner with you. In doing so, what we found is that you're not really competing anymore and you're kind mm. of attacking the market together. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you get to kind of ride on a lot of their coattails and leverage a lot of their resources. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer that question, I think we don't really think of our competitors as competitors and we're always thinking, how do we partner with these guys and how do we create win-win situations that we, so that we continue to grow? I feel like that's a soft skill that you picked up at law school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of fighting over the pie, we want to expand it together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that a lot in any industry now where rather than being competitors, like we're in the tech world and we compete with a lot of the big techos like you think about salesforce and oracle and whatever they compete all the time but now it's like actually how do we work together to win and make it success for both of us so so i love that idea of partnership Mm. as well so that we're seeing a lot of that now yeah Mm. i'm actually really interested in how you guys work together because (laughs) you and when we see you in person, like there's definitely like you complement each other so well and like really you nice just play to each other. Yeah, really yeah, nice dynamic and chemistry, which, you know, amazing because you're also a couple. But like has it 
ever affected you positively or negatively? What are the advantages and disadvantages of being a couple, but also being in business together? I think mainly positives between Justin and I. I think um, Justin and I, we both trust each other. We've Mm -hmm. been together for over nine years. We know each other's blind spots. Mm. We pull each other up and we can be blatantly honest with each other when, you know, we're dropping the ball. So I think Justin and I work really well together and definitely like we complement each other in our skills as well. I think in terms of like managing our personal life and work life, we always kind of have different hats. We call Mm. it different hats. So when we're at home, it's like, okay, well, it's a husband and wife hat. When we go into work, okay, well, it's co-founder hat. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just being really clear with just setting boundaries and just communicating as much as we can, I think. Yeah, and I think the good thing with having a co-founder who's, well, me speaking anyway, like who's your wife, I think there's implicit trust there. So like, you're not, like Karen was saying, you're not really fighting over the pie. Yeah. You're just like, okay, how do we have honest, brutal conversations and move forward from things? I've never had the other experience of founding a company with someone who's not my partner, so I can't really say. <laughs> but, like, I'd imagine that it's hard to confront them or it's hard to make difficult decisions because you're always, okay, how do I, instead of just, like, addressing and attacking the problem, you're thinking about, okay, how do I actually wrap this problem up to present it? Yeah, not... Not hurt their feelings. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Whereas yeah. if it's your partner, like you could just say it like it is and then move yeah. on, right? Because it's mm-hmm. natural. I think we get to move quicker and make decisions a lot quicker as well, which yeah. is really good. Like you guys said, like I think we play good roles. Like I feel like Sandy's definitely a better bad cop than I am. I'm a lot more sensitive. <laughs> so, uh, and I like playing good cop more, right? And I think it suits our strengths more. Yeah. So whenever it's like, for example, even managing the team, right? Whenever there's anything that needs to be ironed out like sandy's like there to iron it out and then me i'm just like inspiring the team and just yeah yeah just promoting the vision so yeah like um, the father and mother roles (laughs) and do you at the beginning did you find it hard to take one hat off and put another hat on as you say when you're a couple versus when you're co-founders yeah for sure i think over the years working together we that's something we definitely have to learn and there's still plenty yeah we still struggle about it like sometimes our team like watches us and and we're just like having a go at each other (laughs) and they're so used to it now they're like oh they just put their headphones on. They're like, yep, that's just them like yeah. hashing it out. But they know it's going to be better at the yeah. end of the day. So yeah, yeah. just let it happen. Yeah. So I think the first couple of like fights, they're like, oh, like, is it serious? Like, like, is the company going to be like, is the company like over? Like, because they're fighting. But then now they're just like, headphones are, yep. And they look at each other yeah. and they laugh. And then what's interesting is that like when we fight, they actually like. They solve the problem quicker because they're, they're like, well, those two are preoccupied. Yeah. We're going to figure it out ourselves. And then they come back and they're like, actually, Justin and Sandy, we've actually solved the problem. I'm like, I don't know why you guys are even fighting anymore. And they just kind of move on. And then it's good. It's actually a net positive. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think yeah. we promote authenticity and always honesty as well. That's yeah. why Justin and I were like, okay, well, if you disagree with something, it's better to iron it out and figure it out instead of... Than let it stew and ruin yeah. it. Yeah, 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 100%. Oh, I love that because I was actually just going to ask you a bit more about like, do you have an approach to building the team and the culture and the community that you want to build within your business but also outside? Yeah, so we have four values that we really push with the team and the team now can like say with the back of their hand. So it's action, authenticity, 
ambition and amplify. So what that means is that... Four A's. Yeah, the four yeah. A's. Yeah, we call it the four A's. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I've got three A's at my work at the moment too. A's are just easy to remember. Yeah, so authenticity is pretty straightforward. So not only is our business, you know, we're in the business of authenticating sneakers, but yeah. we want to be authentic at work and just be who we are. And so we encourage people to bring their whole selves to work. Mm-hmm. Action means that we have an action bias. So instead of like complaining about problems, we're always like, let's just take action and let's just do it and then we figure it out and our approach to things. I can't really sit here and say that we had like a grand vision for the business. It was just figure it out as you go. And I think that's also hard. There's also rough things towards that because like it's also hard because I'm not a type of founder that's like, man, I have this like great vision and then you can raise like like hundreds of millions of dollars because you can just kind of sell it. Whereas for me, I'll, you know, I'm pretty upfront with our investors. I'm like, look, I don't know all the answers, but I'll figure it out as I go. And that's how we approach it. So we have an action bias. Ambition is our third value, which is we always want to be ambitious that even though whether we're resource constrained or whether, you know, the underdog, we should always be ambitious to operate at the level that we should be at. And then last one is amplify, which is really amplify everyone around us, but also amplify our customers, amplify our our resellers and, and amplify our partners, right? Like how do we make everyone be better? So those are our our four A's. Love that. And then like also when it comes to the community and building, because you mentioned earlier that you want to be, I wouldn't say brand, but like the voice to bring this culture to Australia as well. Like, do you tie that into the four A's as well? Yes, that comes down to like amplifying everyone around us, right? So if we help our customers be more fashionable, that's Mm -hmm. amplifying. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love how passionate you are from what you've been, you know, just how you talk about the business. Just love the passion. <laughs> so we've heard all about how successful you guys are and it's really kudos because what a journey. I love the analogy of the Harry Potter cupboard as well. And to think in a couple of years, girls, this would also be us. We need to think of an idea. We need um, to amplify. Yeah, we need to amplify 100%. our opportunities and our thoughts. <laughs> Anyway, conversation for another day. I'm curious from a lessons learnt. I know you've had a lot of challenges, but for all of those, I guess, founders and startups out there that are trying to get up and running on some of these ideas, what's one of the lessons you could leave our listeners with? That's a loaded question. Maybe it's like better if it's like, what is the biggest lesson you guys have learned? Yeah, I think for myself, it's probably... Yeah, probably to back myself more. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that, and this is something that I think, this is a lot of feedback that I get in our team, but also from our stakeholders and, and everything like that. Like, I think I do have an issue of not backing myself. I feel like I always have imposter syndrome. Like I'm always like mm. not doing well enough. And I think part of it is probably because I've never had a real job, right? In the sense that this is like our first thing that we did during uni. So it's like, yeah. Sometimes I do have that imposter syndrome. Like, can I really run a big company like this and keep going? But I think the lesson I've learned and having gone through so many downs as well, I think it's if you survive them, then what's stopping you from surviving the next one? Mm. And it's really just like, yeah, you just got to back yourself because that's kind of half the battle yeah. in running a business. Mm. Cause it's so easy to give up. It's so easy to yeah. um, to be like, oh, maybe I'll just get a real job. <laughs> right? like, yeah. But I think part of it is just, at every stage, you're kind of faced with a bigger problem because as you level up, your problems start to level up as well. Yeah. Right? So part of it is like, even though the problems just keep getting bigger and harder, you have to keep backing yourself and keep saying, hey, like if you got into this level, then you probably deserve it in a way. There's a lot of luck involved, of course, but you should be able to tackle the next one as well and just keep backing yourself. I think that's one lesson that I've learned. Yeah, um, I think for me, it would probably be 
lean in to your weaknesses and just lean into things that you're afraid of. I think the quicker you lean in and understand why you're so afraid or if there's a bit of friction on getting something done, the sooner you can kind of understand where it's coming from and just keep moving. Because I think for me, when we first started, I was so scared to kind of do a lot of things. Like I was like, oh, you know, I'm a female in the sneaker scene. And when we first started, it was quite male dominated. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I'm terrified. These guys are going to laugh at me because I I don't know, all these, you know, the things you tell Mm. yourself, right? And the sooner I leaned in, I was like, wow, these guys are actually really nice. They're very friendly. Everyone's just sharing their passion, blah, blah, blah. But I thought, hey, if I just leaned in sooner, things would have been done a lot quicker too. So I think that's something that I'm doing. I think that's something a lot of probably female founders feel. I think that's something definitely even in the tech industry that we find. It's very male dominated also. Even when we meet customers, yeah, I'm finding myself not only the only female, but the only Asian female. And in the often room. the youngest. And the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite hard to overcome that like mindset. But I completely agree with you. The earlier you get over that, you're like, okay, they're just like normal human beings. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely just a narrative we tell ourselves too because a lot of the people don't really look at it that way and I think it's just us, myself, sorry. But but I think I'm very fortunate or we're very fortunate because there's a lot of people that back us and believe in us even when we don't believe in ourselves. Yeah. I think that's like we mentioned Rain but also all the other investors like, yeah, and just people who've done it before. Yeah, this is maybe more advice but leaning into people who have done before or who Someone that I lean on a lot is your Tim Fung, the founder of Airtasker, right? Like, oh, okay. He's someone that is a big mentor of mine. And yeah, like I usually would come with him with the problem and he's like, yeah, like how would you think about it? And he'll kind of walk you through it. So I think it's understanding that the journey, you're not doing it alone all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really turning to people. And sometimes, yeah, and that's a big thing. Sometimes you just need people to believe in you for you and believe in yourself. Yeah. So. I love how, although the company, let's say you started 2017, so five years old, I think there's an element of a huge self-awareness and I love how authentic you guys are because I've seen the WeWorks and the Uber documentaries as well, right, where you get a different sense of who they are as well as founders and it's really authentic to see how you guys are very much like, hey, we don't know the answers to this stuff but we're going to find help and we're going to work out who we need to help us and use their experience to to help us like be successful within our business as well. I, I really love that. I think it actually just speaks to like from knowing you, Justin, and I can see it now in Sandy too. Like it keeps you both really humble for the mm-hmm. amount of success you guys have had. Yeah, so. but I guess it's like because we don't really feel successful, right? Like, <laughs> well, like, that's good. That's the ambition yeah. that keeps feeling. Yeah, you. but I guess it's like there's always a bigger fish. There's always bigger numbers that you can hit. Like yeah. Yeah. there's always, it's kind of like an analogy for life in a way where like as you grow older, mm. you're like, okay, well, your problems still get harder, right? Yeah. And then you still, whether you're in high school, whether you're in uni, you always look ahead and you're always like, actually, I have so much further to go. Yeah. And even now, right, I'm sure you girls as well, like looking forward, you're like, you're all successful in your own careers, right? But you still look ahead and you're like, actually, I still <laughs> feel like there's so much more. To do. Mm. And that's how I guess I feel anyway. And that's why I don't feel successful. I'm made. Like, I feel like I'm only like 1% there. Like, yeah. yeah. I think going through a startup, there's always problems that come up that will always kind of humble you every single day. Yeah. There's always a new fire. You're like, 
this isn't it. Like when yeah. you think you've kind of hit almost the top of the mountain, no, no, that literally you've you still be humbled at the base. So you yeah. get over one hill and you're like, I'm at the summit. And then you're like, ah, there's another one. Yeah. And even like I mentioned, like a lot of our investors, are like founders that are like, you know, a couple of years ahead of me in the journey, like they still feel the same way, mm. right? Like it's never ending and you just have to keep going. And I'm sure people like, I don't know what he's thinking, but let's say Elon Musk, where I'm sure he's probably thinking like, I'm not on Mars yet. Like, yeah. like there's still so much more I can do, yeah. right? And so I don't think you can, well, for me anyway, there's no point like resting yeah. on your laurels. And How do you balance between, yes, like there's always something bigger to achieve and celebrating where you have come, like the milestones or whatever that you've achieved. That's yeah. something we're probably still trying to learn. Yeah, to I, be I honest. still struggle, struggle with that, I think. Like, I think we don't celebrate enough mm. i think um if anything we celebrate the team we try to celebrate mm. the team a lot more but with mm. justin and i we're like okay no we got to keep going yeah i think it's really important to recognize and acknowledge the hard work your team puts in mm. to help you come yeah, on a mission because sure. mm. you know startups aren't for everyone and to join like a bigger company back like a hundred yeah. million dollar company to like a small startup mm. and coming on this journey every single day because you don't know what tomorrow looks like yeah and they um, choose to work with yeah, you every day exactly yeah. so we definitely try to celebrate our team as much as we can but for justin and i it's we just got to keep going yeah keep going. <laughs> i don't think we celebrate at all like you can't stop yeah, can't. yeah. You can't. the moment you celebrate it's like someone else is hitting bigger milestones yeah. i'm sure your vc backers are very happy to hear yeah. this right now if they're listening yeah um, exactly. we're coming to the tail end of the episode now but as we talked about before like there's a lot of aspiring founders out there and the three of us have all thought about like starting our own business as well. Forget about startups, like just even your own business. What would you give as the top three tips? Get something going. Um, the first thing is just do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like you have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. I think you lose more when you don't do it mm -hmm. every single day, right? Yeah. And your hard work compounds every single day. So just like going to the gym, right? The day you skip it's not compounding as quickly as mm -hmm. you can. Yeah. I think that's number one, Justin. I'm going to give you number two. Yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to add on to your analogy. So it's like the gym where like every day you see like you're not going anywhere. Like you see like there's no changes. You might go to the gym for six months and you're like, I look the same. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you have to stick to it and have that consistency. persistence. Yeah. yeah consistency yeah. and keep going. And then maybe in two years time, you're like, actually, I'm not that bad. A bit of progressive overload. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to give it back to you that too. was off my number one just <laughs> number two now yeah i think the other thing is uh probably back yourself yeah back yourself yeah that's okay done back myself all right back to you and then i guess the third thing is just lean in just keep going move fast and just keep doing i, I don't know i don't think there's because you know often justin and i get asked what's the secret to success but it's really just doing yeah, there's no cheat code like there's, there's no cheat code. and there's like a huge industry about like all that self-help or the hustle porn <laughs> it's all bullshit right like end of the day it's like if you get the fundamentals right and just figure it out as you go and just keep getting at it like there's no way you can't kind of slowly get there i think right? uh, justin's analogy king and i think one of the analogies that you mentioned this week which i really liked was about like warren buffett how you know there's biographies about him there's like so many books about how to become like a millionaire whatever billionaire but, yeah 500 um, billion dollar company right like yeah but i think the first thing is just taking that first step mm. yeah yeah that's what i said to my team so i was like well the secret is out there. There's no secret, right? Like because there's so many biographies, so many documentaries, everyone knows how he did it, but no one's just willing to put in the work and yeah. do what he did. Like I don't think there's anything. It's just time and compounding, right? There's no shortcut. Yeah, there's no shortcut. And 
it's not like people who've done it are like holding their success away from you. I actually think most people are actually really open to share how they've done it yeah. and share because they want to see other people succeed too. Yeah. I think there's a kind of like a part of you, you know, that you want to help people, right? So I think generally speaking, a lot of people who've done it or found success, quote unquote, they freely share how they did it. But just I think most of the time people are just like, no, surely there's another, surely there's a secret that they're holding oh, out from oh, it. Yeah. And that's why I haven't done it yet. But really, I think it's just not taking that accountability on yourself just to be like, hey, like, like I need to do it, right? Mm. Rather than like putting it out there and kind of saying, oh, well, the only reason why I haven't done it is because I don't have what they have. I think um, read and learn mm. because your business or whatever you do will only go as far as yourself, yeah. especially if you're the leader. Keep reading, keep expanding that mind and dedicate yeah. like solid time mm. within your day just to keep learning. Yeah, and we try to breed a lifelong learner kind of mentality like justin's always watching so many youtube videos reading books articles and just learning about what's happening all the time mm. and yeah and for the both of us just keep reading. what are you reading right now i'm reading so i like to switch between two books i think i'm doing the high growth handbook right now and i'm also reading give and take by adam grant as well yeah. so those are two books i'm reading right mm. now Right now I'm reading The Outliers, which is yeah. like... Oh, Ray Dalio? No, The Outsiders, sorry. Outsiders. Okay. Yeah, sorry. The, I was like, I have yeah. that book right there. <laughs> yeah, I think I've read that as well. But The Outsiders, it's about like, they go through like eight different CEOs and how they approach like the capital allocation. It's a bit of a dry book, but it's a... I, I really look up to like Warren Buffett where he's just like mm. slow and steady wins a race, yeah. but it's a book that he's recommended. So it's a good book on if you're a capital allocator, like whether you're a CEO or not, but if you're just capital allocating, how you should approach it. Yeah. So it sounds like a good book for people who are investing as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how you should look at the managers of a business and how they invest because then Resources that helps you. And, yeah, yeah, and that educates you on whether they're good capital allocators mm-hmm. or not. So whether you should... That's cool. Awesome. That's, That's great. amazing. I have loved the conversation today. Mm. Is there anything exciting in store for you both next um, or push us? I think just uh, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, <laughs> follow us on YouTube. Leave them leave a, a review, review on Google. Yeah, leave Five us a good stars. review. Yeah. And just buy sneakers and then yeah. you know, we'll announce it as we come. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you have a new converted sneaker head today in jewels. I won't tell you who I was using before, but I'm going to sell my sneaker on your marketplace that's for sure amazing yeah that's amazing well thank you so much justin no thanks for having us thank you for having us today i've really learned a lot actually during this conversation and maybe one day we'll have you back when you've hit your next milestone yeah definitely could do a collaboration but yeah thanks listeners as well we hope you enjoyed today's episode with Justin and Sandy here and that you learned a lot too. Once again, just a reminder to rate and subscribe, leave a comment and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Let's Let's Take Take It It Offline. Offline.